It's that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. A new week, a beautiful day after a chilly weekend, a chilly Halloween weekend. Apologize being out Friday and Thursday. Uh, kind of a hectic week last week, but should be a full-timer this week and look forward to being able to do the show and plenty to talk about. Now, for the first time in Sports Talker history, we have uh, we're in the midst of basketball season and football season. Uh, the show started back in February, I believe, and uh, basketball was in full swing then, uh, but obviously no football. And you had the Bahamas trip earlier, so maybe that had a little crossover there. But uh, Kentucky with an exhibition game, Louisville also with an exhibition game over the weekend, and plenty of college football to talk about. Didn't get a chance to talk about Louisville, Florida State, on Thursday, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But primary focus today, Kentucky's head-scratching loss, to put it kindly, to Missouri. Um, that's that's what we're going to lead with, and also we're going to talk UK's basketball exhibition win that was uh, impressive. Again, you're playing against Pikeville, or Pikeville, as some say, um, but we'll also talk about that. Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How are you? Doing, doing fantastic. Uh, did you miss me Thursday and Friday? Of course. The last thing that, and, and I do the, I do the show via Skype while Yates is back in the studio, uh, and, and sometimes we communicate to one another during the show. He tells me how much time I have left and when we need to go to break and this and that. Uh, last thing that I have up is from Wednesday that you were upset that we didn't do Ask Yates Wednesday. Well, it's not so much that I'm upset. I don't want you to upset my loyal fans. That's true. I, I don't know. I got the sense that you're a little little upset. I'm upset that I forgot, but admit that you like it. I do enjoy this. Well, we'll get back to it this Wednesday. Uh, no doubt about it. Look forward to doing that. I can't believe I forgot. And it is Yates brought up that it had been two weeks, and I think he's I think he's technically right. Um, but anyways, so Kentucky's football game against Missouri, a game that we previewed and talked about during the all last week, as really a not really knowing what to expect from Kentucky traveling to Columbia. Missouri had been a weird team. Their two losses, head-scratching to say the least, uh, got pummeled by Georgia at home at in Missouri uh, without Todd Gurley, 34 to nothing, and then gets beat by IU at home. And then they go on the road, and, and really, you know, when you look at Missouri's, with how bad the SEC East is, and, and, and I think it's safe to say now that it's just flat out bad. Uh, you have, you know, you have Florida beating Georgia over the weekend. Uh, so I, I don't, I wouldn't know, I don't know if I would consider Georgia an elite team, and I don't really like using the word elite that much. But you have Florida beating Georgia, uh, Missouri. And I, I don't know if any of Missouri's wins in the conference really jump out at you and scream. 
great win. Uh, they, they beat South Carolina. They beat Florida. They beat Vanderbilt and beat Kentucky. Uh, they're in a very good spot with three SEC games to go to make the SEC championship game back-to-back years. Now, I don't think anybody in the world would have predicted that. And the really disappointing thing for Kentucky fans is had Kentucky beaten Missouri, it'd be UK in that position. It would be UK in a position where if Kentucky beat Georgia and Missouri stumbles in a game, well, Missouri would have to lose two more games. But that's not, uh, you know, that's not a crazy thing to think about. I mean, it, it really could have been Kentucky in a great spot to win the SEC East with just two conference games remaining. Now, Missouri's got to go to Texas A&M. Texas A&M has been less than impressive. Uh, they'll have to travel to Tennessee, which hasn't been a great season for the Vols. Uh, but, you know, it's not the easiest pay- place to play. And then they'll have Arkansas at home, which you would think would be a win. But Arkansas has been playing a lot of really good teams, uh, really tough. So it's not crazy to think Missouri could have lost two games in its final three. But Kentucky just missed an opportunity on the road. And I had picked Kentucky to lose on catsillustrated.com. Not to toot my own horn, but toot toot undefeated on the season still. In, in predicting UK games, not that any of them have been uh, super hard, but just uh, not competitive, in my opinion, for being a twenty to ten loss. And that's what I think why it should hurt Kentucky fans so much is that really Missouri dominated that game, but Kentucky had chance after chance. You know, it, it was a two possession game for the majority of the game and it eventually did get to uh, it, it was 20 to 3 in the fourth quarter but Kentucky scored that touchdown uh, two possession game again gets an onside kick it just has several chances to make this to put all the pressure back on Missouri and just couldn't find ways to capitalize and I'll say this it ended up being a just a bad game for Patrick Tolles. 19 of 37, 158 yards, one touchdown, one interception. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe somewhere down the road he plays against maybe an Alabama defense or an LSU D. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess he probably won't ever play against LSU again with the way the schedule works, but maybe play an Auburn or Alabama defense somewhere down the road and has a really bad game. But it will be tough to imagine a, a worse game for Patrick Tolles in his career at UK. And it really would be. And, and that's under the assumption that Kentucky gets better offensively. They get better receiving weapons. Uh, Patrick Tolles progresses as a quarterback as well. But it's just terrible. And it... You know, you could make you could make the argument that the offensive line was bad, and it was. There was maybe a drop here and there, but for the most part, Patrick Tolles was just off, and a a, a first half stat line that was as bad as the Kentucky quarterbacks had, maybe ever. 
and despite all that, Kentucky has chances. And I, I had this thought, I think, on Friday. They were previewing, uh, you know, I don't, they were previewing, maybe it was, uh, don't remember what game it was. ESPN was previewing one of their games. And lately on ESPN, they've been previewing their games with showing graphics. It almost looks like cartoon. The design almost looks like cartoon coaches and characters and players. And they always end, they usually end with the coaches. And they had, you know, maybe it was the Auburn Ole Miss game. And they had Hughes Freeze and Gus Malzahn. And it shows them kind of going against each other. And it kind of made you think that, you know, a lot of this is going to fall on coaching. And when you've got Mark Stoops in his second year, is he... Is he – how great of a coach is he? And not in terms of recruiting because he's great at that. Uh, I think generally Kentucky's teams are usually prepared. I think preparation is generally fine. I, I think you've seen some second-half adjustments go his way. But he's coaching in the SEC, and so much is made of the players and the talent and the speed and this and that in the SEC. But part of the reason the SEC is so great is because you've got great coaches, great X and O coaches, in-game coaches. And I'm not even necessarily saying that Gary Pinkle is one of them. You know, I think it's pretty amazing that he's had the success that he's had in the SEC. With Missouri kind of just jumping in. Of course, the East has been down. But he's experienced. You know, he's been around. He's coached big games before. He's coached against big opponents. And, and it makes you wonder, when Mark Stoops is going up against these other SEC coaches, does he know, th- does he understand what it takes to win these games? And, and it goes so much more than X's and O's. It, it does go with player preparation. It does go with uh, making the necessary adjustments. It does have to go, it does go with motivating during games, during halftime. It's all these little things, and while I'll say, you know, Mark Stoops, it seemingly does an, a, a good enough job or a fine job. Kentucky has to find a way to win SEC road games, and that was a game that they could have very easily won if they play the performance that they played against Mississippi State. They win that game, the Missouri game, by two scores. But being on the road changes things. And for whatever reason, Kentucky can't find a way to crack through. And you can say all you want about talent level. You can say all you want about uh, still rebuilding. But that wasn't a lack of talent, in my opinion, on Saturday. It was a lack of execution. And it does fall on the coaches. And and I'm as big as a Mark Stoops fan as you'll find. I think Neil Brown is going to figure it out. I think he's setting up the pieces to have a a super, super explosive offense next year. I think DJ Elliott's young and hungry and and does a great job. But they cost Kentucky, the three of them, cost Kentucky that game on Saturday. And that's okay. You you know, it's not 
time to panic. It's not. It doesn't mean that any of those guys should be fired or they're on the hot seat. But it just shows that the progression isn't just with the players with Kentucky. It's also with the coaches. And, and, and maybe that should worry Kentucky fans a little bit going forward with the remainder of the season. Because do is there a six win on the schedule? Can Mark Soups find a way to... Because talent-wise, Kentucky's underdogs in all three of their games. So can he find a way to beat Butch Jones, who you know is in year two in the SEC, just like Mark Stoops, but uh, coached a Cincinnati program and did great things there. Is used to a winning culture, you could say. Mark Richt this upcoming Saturday. And then obviously Bobby Petrino, who's coached in huge games and uh, big programs and, you know, has been around the block a time or two. So can, can they make the necessary adjustments? And that might be something, you know, as the players and the talent has to get there, the coaching also has to get there. You know, I, I, I don't understand why you don't kick that field goal to make it a one possession game. At that time, I think Kentucky had two timeouts. Had just gotten an onside kick. Maybe you, you get another one. At least you get a chance at a Hail Mary if you get the ball back. If you get the ball back and do a Hail Mary, then you know you can tie the game. It's just, I, you know, I, I didn't think that was a smart play. I didn't think that was the right decision. But make no mistake about it. It's not that the players on the field, uh, you know, were doing great things and were held back by the coaches. I'm not saying that. It, it was, as Rich Brooks would say, all systems fail Saturday at Missouri. Kentucky receivers, I just, you know, not, it just the whole passing game looked, I think awkward would be the right word to describe it. Rushing. You had a few big runs here and there. Miguel Horton looked solid, which surprisingly he was getting uh, a, a lot of carries. Patrick Tolles couldn't get anything going. Missouri did a great job of stopping the run. And I think that's what you're going to see Georgia, Tennessee, and Louisville do the rest of the year. Just put an emphasis on stopping Patrick Tolles in the run and consequently the other running backs because they basically run the same set. Kentucky uses the same set for almost all their runs. It's pretty much you find the hole. Uh, there might be a designed hole here or there, but running backs or Patrick Tolles has to find the hole and then they attack it. Very rarely will they attack the corners. So, you know, keep everything up the middle and, and, and make Kentucky beat you with their passing game. Uh, Kentucky tries a lot of short stuff. And if you jam the receivers, if you're physical with UK's receivers, it's going to work. And that's what you saw Missouri do. And as you have it, Kentucky's on a three-game losing streak. Uh, at LSU, understandable. At Mississippi State, or against Mississippi State, at Kentucky, understandable. Number one team in the country. At Missouri, that's, that's understandable to lose there but not the way that they did. 
not to finish with just a, a hundred rushing yards, 158 passing yards. Just after Patrick Tolles threw for 390 yards against Mississippi State. That can't happen. That inconsistency cannot happen when you're trying to get out of the basement of the SEC. Mark Soups talked to the media today. Uh, I watched the press conference from the comfort of my own home. Great stuff from Stoops. You know, I talk about maybe a lack of experience from the coaching staff, and that's probably true, especially Mark Stoops as a head coach. But he seemed like a veteran SEC coach with some of his answers today. He's he's upset, and that's what you want to see. So maybe not the best game all around from Kentucky on Saturday, players, coaches, whoever. But they're holding themselves accountable. Mark Stoops said today, we just need to be better. We're inconsistent. The wheels aren't falling off. We barely had them on. What a quote. And and what an honest quote, too. So that's what you like to see. Now let's see if Kentucky's players, let's see how they bounce back. Let's see how they respond to, a, to an angry, upset head coach. And I don't know if I'd said this on the air or if I'd said it on our message board. But after the LSU game, I had said that I would probably rank the Georgia home game maybe the most winnable, if not the second most winnable, with the exception of Missouri. Kentucky's a different team at home. And they're gonna there's no doubt in my mind that they're gonna play Georgia really, really tough. Now you might might have not wanted to face Georgia coming off a horrible loss to Florida. Uh, that might just make Georgia a little more motivated. And if Georgia loses to Kentucky, winning the East for Georgia would be tough. So Georgia's playing for their SEC East lives. But I, I do think it's a really winnable game for Kentucky. And I think they're going to look much better. And if you're a Kentucky fan, you have to feel better about that outlook after hearing Mark Stoops today. Because if the players can't respond to that, if they can't get pumped up from their coach being so angry, then they're probably not the players Mark Stoops wants to play. We're going to head to our first commercial break. We'll come up, we'll finish up the UK talk. UK football talk, that is, and we're going to turn our attention to basketball. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here at 1450 The Sports Buzz. Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. Beautiful Monday. Uh, 
very exciting up and down sports weekend for Kentucky. Not as much of an up and down sports weekend for Indiana. Football team gets crushed to by Michigan, uh, a very uh, struggling Michigan team, thirty-four to ten. Still, just I, I don't know how Indiana won at Missouri. I mean, a huge win for IU. What what a weird, strange game, uh, but more so, uh, not a not a good weekend at all with Indiana's basketball program. And again, thoughts and prayers with Devin Davis, and you, you hope for a full and, and speedy recovery. He's able. He's got all use of his extremities, and uh, it sounds like he's moving in the right direction, getting a lot of rest, and that's good. Of course, if you didn't know, he was involved in an accident. Late Friday night, early Saturday morning, when he was hit by a car, that was the driver was teammate Emmett Holt, and I think both of them had alcohol in their system. Uh, Holt was charged. Now Holt was under twenty-one. His I think his blood alcohol level was point oh two five which is just a little over a fourth of the legal limit. But if you're under 21, it could be 0.01, and you could get in trouble. Gates, did you see the uh, Indy Star column by Greg Doyle? I did not. Uh, he, he wrote a column, and, and I like Greg Doyle think he does a good job and was with CBS for the longest time and now now with the Indy Star so he's covering IU and, and doing this and that so he writes a column talking about how much he likes Tom Crean and thinks he's a great guy and is friends with him but says that if there's another incident like this around IU's basketball program Tom Crean has to be let go. Just at the surface, Yates, do you do you agree or disagree with that? Man, that's gosh, that's a tough one. I I would initially be based on just the facts as I know them, I would I would initially be inclined to say no. If you know, just one more incident like this. Because, I mean, I'm sure this sort of thing, like underage drinking and that sort of thing, goes on at pretty much every program. Now, granted, you don't have teammates running each other over at every program. But, I don't know. I mean, it seems like such a fluke thing that I'd, I'd have a hard time calling for somebody's job based on this incident. Well, and Greg Dole kind of talks about that. Talks about that point of... You know, this might go on everywhere else, and, and college kids are going to drink. College kids are going to do stupid things. But now that's five of 13 scholarship players that have been in trouble for alcohol-related issues. Five of 13. And, you know, whether it's a little alcohol, a lot of alcohol, uh, Wrong place, wrong time. 
you know, a stupid decision that deserves to be punished. It, it doesn't, the, the magnitude, I, I agree with Greg Doyle, it doesn't really matter. You know, and Indiana's a huge, huge basketball program. You know, in terms of passion, it's up there with, it's right there with Kentucky and Louisville and Kansas. I would say no basketball program in the Big Ten cares as much about basketball as Indiana does. Michigan State, Michigan. So you're at a major program, and this stuff like this can't happen. It couldn't happen at a football program. Nearly 40% of their roster has been cited or in trouble for alcohol-related issues. And, and by all accounts, again, you, you, you hope for a speedy recovery from Devin Davis, but it seems like this incident, it was actually his fault for getting hit. It, it, he ran out where he wasn't, you know, he, he, he kind of surprised the driver again. You know, the, the driver had alcohol in the system. Seems as if Devin Davis also had alcohol in his system. But he wasn't charged, so it could have been six of 13 players. The crash report said pedestrian action. And this coming from the Indy Star as well. Davis entered the roadway unexpectedly and was struck by the car. So he was, he had been drinking too, but not cited. So it could have been six of 13 players. For, so stuff like this at a program as big as IU, it can't happen regardless. It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened at Kentucky. You can say that players drink everywhere. You can say that football players do stupid things. Kentucky has had quite a few football players in trouble this year. Again, Kentucky football, not anywhere near what IU basketball is. But, you know, players are going to do stupid things. But it doesn't have to be nearly half your roster that's getting in trouble. That's obviously too much. That's too much at Bellarmine. That would be too many players. But especially where you've got a fan base that cares about their team as much, you're a celebrity the second you get on campus, you can't have that. So I I do agree with Greg Doyle there. But I, I think this is an underrated, you know, this isn't an underrated part. I think this is an obvious part. You definitely can't have this going on if you're Tom Crean. If you're just four games over 500 at Indiana and 40 and 68 in the Big Ten at Indiana, 40 and 68. So in your career, it hasn't been great. In the Big Ten, you've been awful. Just two winning seasons in the Big Ten and Tom Crean's first six years in Indiana. So if you're not winning, not that winning can hide all this, but if you're losing and this goes on, then you're just a burden to the program to an extent. And this isn't Tom Crean's fault. I've said this a thousand times that players can't control what their coaches do but you can control what you do with the players after they do it. 
start getting rid of some of these guys. And that was kind of the point of Greg Doyle is saying that, you know, you need to have a zero tolerance policy at this point. It, it doesn't matter how lean, you know, if it's a guy does blow a .01 or uh, he gets caught with a beer or whatever it may be. You know, I'm at the point where people need to start being suspended. Uh, you know, wait till all the all the facts get out about this case and make some. You got to start making some changes because again, you can't control what your players do off the court. You can advise and you can try and you can want them to do this. You want them to do that. But once they do an action, that's when you have full control if you're a coach. And right now, you're not seeing any of these. You're not seeing many consequences for the players that are getting in trouble. So the program itself, it's not looking great off the court. On the court, maybe worse. So at what point does Indiana say, all right, we, we, need, a, we need a change of direction in every which way possible? And, and by all accounts, Tom Kareem's a great guy. I've been as hard on Tom Crean throughout his career as anybody. I, I felt that Indiana could have done a better, made a better hire, but they wanted a guy that was clean after, uh, you know, the Kelvin Sampson disaster. And Tom Crean had always seemed to run a really tight program and seemed like a family guy and uh, all around good guy by all accounts. Anybody that's met him would agree with that. But now the program's starting to spiral a little bit. And on the court, you can make the case it's just a game. They'll move in the right direction. But now off the court, some of these players are starting to embarrass what it means to be an Indiana basketball player. So, I, I and, you know, again, off the court issues, you mix that in with on the court issues. This, this could be Tom Crean's last year unless one – you don't hear any off-the-court issues. And two, Indiana wins on the court. Most importantly, the former than the latter. And speaking of Tom Crean, you can hear the Tom Crean show tonight at 7 o'clock on this very station. And I know I'll be listening because you know he's going to be asked about this. And this is a really important time for Indiana basketball. I mean, the season is starting. And guess what? The attention isn't on a team that's seemingly a mediocre team. The attention is on these players that are continue to get in trouble. So it's a mess in Bloomington. And, and again, by all accounts, Tom Crean, a great person. But maybe when it comes to running a big program like this, He's in over his head, but you know we'll find out what he has to say tonight, 7 o'clock here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. I look forward to hearing it. Let's kind of change gears here and talk about Kentucky basketball, which, you know, say what you want about John Calipari and this and that, and I know a lot of people don't like him. The off-the-court issues he's had since he's been Kentucky's head coach, When the players are on campus, uh, the Terrence Jones car accident running from the scene, that would be the only one that would come to mind. 
Unless I'm forgetting another one, Yates. Nothing that I can players have been on campus. You, you know, you, you've had some questionable things, I suppose, with some recruits maybe, and, and certainly, unfortunately, some of these players, when they get into the pros, there's, you know, they're making mistakes. But on campus, it, it doesn't seem like there's anything big. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the correlation is between that. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe John Calipari has better control on his program. I don't know. But for as much flack as John Calafari catches, and he, and he brings some of that upon himself. You know, he, he likes to be in the attention. He likes to be in the news. That's understandable. But once the players are on campus, it seems to everything to everything goes okay for the most part. And knock on wood a little bit. So they played an exhibition game last night against Pikeville. And Pikeville's not a very, uh, you know, they're an okay team for playing the number one team in Division One. And they hit a lot of shots. I mean, they hit a lot of open shots. Did a decent job with UK's length and... I, yeah, I was I was honestly a little impressed. My prediction for the game was way off. I predicted Kentucky to win. What was it? Ninety four to thirty eight. Pikeville had more points than had forty points at halftime. So, yeah, I was a little off, but very small lineup, very small roster. Not a ton of talent, although that KK Simmons guy uh, looked great. But for the most part, you had a roster of guys all under six foot six. And you got a Kentucky lineup that has three seven footers. So it's tough to take anything major away from this game to say, oh, Kentucky's going to be unbelievable. They're going to be dominant. You, you can't do that in a game like this, and I don't have to tell you all it. But you do, you can take a few things. You can, you can, uh, you can judge how the platooning went, and if that's the right way to go about it. I don't think it is. Uh, I've been against the platoon system. From the get-go, but if you want to do it in some of these early games against inferior opponents, sure. Fine with me. I still don't think that's the best platoon lineups that you have. I don't think it's a great idea to have three freshmen on one platoon with the fourth freshman being the best freshman on debatably the more skilled platoon. But, again, if you're doing this against teams like Pikeville and some of the early uh, early season games where Kentucky's going to roll, you know, if you want to do it against Grand Canyon or Buffalo or Boston U, Montana State, Texas Arlington, those are five of UK's first six games. The one that's sandwiched in between there is Kansas. I don't think you can do the platoon against Kansas. But it, it worked out. And, and let's, you know, before we go to our last commercial break, let's talk a little bit about the freshmen. 
Carl Anthony Towns, definitely the best of the freshmen, maybe the best player in the game yesterday. Finishes with 22 points, 10 of 11 shooting. That's efficient. And this is what impressed me from Carl Anthony Towns was his desire to stay in the paint and in the block are on the block versus so many times I saw in high school it, it floating out to the perimeter. And when you're seven foot and you're as skilled as he is uh, playing in high school, I guess you could probably do whatever you wanted. But that was a, a serious concern for me. And it's only one game and I'm not ready to, you know, to say that Carl Towns is content being an interior player. But with his skill set and his shot selection, he is really smart. You know, the 10 of 11, he had plenty of other shots he could have taken. He's going to be an efficient player all year. So really impressed with him. 22 points, able to get five rebounds as well. But the most surprising freshman, Devin Booker. 16 points was second on the team, so your two leading scorers from freshman. 6-9 shooting, 2-4 of four from deep. He, he looked comfortable, and I didn't see that all the time in the Bahamas game and some of the practices I saw. He, he looked a little timid. Not last night. He was able to run the floor, get where he wanted to be. Uh, again, going against 6'5", six, 6'4", six, guys, I'm sure makes it easier more familiar with what he faced in high school. But if he can have that mindset that he's going to be able to score on anybody and and get where he needs to go on the court while also hitting threes, great for him. Great for UK. You list just okay, but you, you saw things you liked from him, able to get wherever he wants on the floor with the ball, and is always going to be pass first. Lyles, 11 points, looks good. 5 of 10 shooting, still just so, it's so awkward and uncomfortable for me thinking that he's going to play the three. And I'm be, I might be beating a dead horse at this point, but the more you see it in person, and the more you see it live going on, it's just, I don't know if that's going to be able to work, especially, definitely not in crunch time. He's a four. And, and you can make a case that playing the four and playing the three isn't a huge difference at UK. But if he's going to be playing the three, he's going to be out on the perimeter a lot. And he's not a knockdown three-point shooter, and he's not good enough at this point to put it on the floor and blow by people and attack the rim. We'll talk more about that. We need to head to our to our final commercial. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with TJ Walker. We're back here. One final segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Yates, before I forget, let's get to last week's PT's picks of the week. I did it on Wednesday, which I wasn't thrilled about. Didn't necessarily want to have to do it that early. 
I'm sure you don't remember the picks, but how did, how do you think that we did? Um, I'll say you went what one game over 500. You picked five of them, so I'll say you went three and two. I did go three and two for I think the second or third straight week. I'm not happy about it. Uh, three and two should not have happened. Took Penn State, given four to Maryland. Penn State ended up losing that game. Uh, up, uh, Maryland scored 13 points in the fourth quarter to end up winning by one, I think. It's an unbelievably stupid game and, and coaching decision by James Franklin. To uh, they, There's about three minutes left on the clock, and Penn State was back in its own, deep in its own territory, and basically was playing to run out the clock despite only being up two and ended up having to punt to Maryland. Maryland had a ton of time, decent field position, and you know was able to to get a field goal. Uh, just uh, Penn State should have not only won that game, should have covered up big. Although those Maryland not shaking, shaking Penn State's hands before the game. I don't know if you all saw that. They got in a little rumble before the game. So then at the coin toss, when the refs asked them to shake their hands, Penn State's players reached across midfield and went to go shake their hands. And Maryland players just gave them a cold, hard look. That was pretty funny. Maryland actually received a penalty for that. Another pick, Auburn giving to or getting to at Ole Miss. That was a win. Happy about that. But man, what a tough way for Ole Miss to lose a game. I don't know if I've ever could ever remember a tougher way to lose. Vanderbilt giving seven and a half versus Old Dominion. I didn't want to pick Vandy, but I did because that was just ridiculous. They covered. Missouri versus UK. Missouri covered. Talked about that. Arizona versus UCLA. Arizona was getting six and a half points. Looked Solid from the get-go, UCLA ends up winning a 17-7 to game that I didn't stay up for, to be honest. So we go 3-2. and two. It Should have been 4-1 and one with Penn State. But as always, and this doesn't really matter, but you know, I, I've got to select my games. I go by gut, and then I look at all the... And then I narrow it down, and then I start picking and choosing. Three games that I'd picked but didn't put in my five PT's locks of the week... Appalachian State, 10.5 versus Georgia State. Georgia State was coming off a 69 to 31 loss to Georgia, Georgia Southern. Appalachian State won 44 to nothing. I liked Florida to cover against Georgia. I didn't like Florida to win, and they did. They won big, but I liked them to cover 13 points. I didn't pick that game. And then Navy, Maryland, uh, I liked Navy to cover 14, and they end up losing by 10 in an exciting offensive filled game. So the three games that I didn't pick were all winners. It doesn't matter. It is what it is. We're 26 and 17 on the year now, which isn't bad. 26 and 17 is good, but I, I'm getting sick of these three and two weeks. So we'll get back at it this week. I feel I already, I'm already starting to feel good about it. There's plenty more to talk about, but we're running a little bit out of time. Uh, so we'll just have to spend all week talking about a variety of different things, talking about the platoon systems and how. They worked against Penn, or Pikeville, excuse me. Uh, which ones look good together? Who had better numbers? This and that. We'll talk more about that later in the week. Do you want to? One thing I'm kind of worried about with Kentucky, and my worries were not 
diminished after the Pikeville game. I think three-point shooting could still be an issue this year. It only hit four against Pikeville. Two came from Alex Poitras. And, and the good news is, well, all four of them came from Alex Poitras or Devin Booker. And the good news is, if Alex Poitras is hitting threes, that's huge for Kentucky. That's huge for UK. I don't know if he's going to be able to do that throughout the year. If Devin Booker's hitting threes, huge for Devin Booker, huge for UK. I don't know if he's going to be able to consistently hit all year. He's a good shooter. That was kind of his label in high school, which I always thought was a little off. But 0 for 3 from Aaron Harrison. He was never a, a unbelievable three-point shooter, unless I guess it was under a minute NCAA tournament game. Then he was much better. Three-point shooting could be an issue for Kentucky this year. You saw the 2010 UK team, which was uh, easily the most talented team in college basketball that year, losing the Elite Eight after shooting four of 32 from three. You know, you don't hope that happens for Kentucky this year, but you need to, I need to see a little more more from the perimeter game. Teams are going to pack in a zone. You got to be able to beat them. Didn't mention Louisville's game versus Barry. I was disappointed to find out Barry just wasn't kind of a middle-aged 40-year-old that lives down the street. Not a stellar performance from Louisville by any means. Rick Patino was very angry, much like Mark Stoops was angry after this weekend. Of course, Louisville went beat Barry by 20, but to get out-rebounded the way that they did, not a great look. And, and again, we're running out of time, so I won't be able to spend much time talking about Louisville's outlook this season. But we'll talk more about that tomorrow. And we should I mean, I'm excited to be back for the whole for the whole week. There's gonna be plenty to talk about. We'll start to look ahead to Kentucky versus Georgia. Huge, huge game for Kentucky. A home game against a Georgia team coming off a loss, a Kentucky team coming off a loss. Two surprising losses. Uh, Kentucky's got to find a six win somewhere, and, and the, the clock is starting to tick. So we'll have to see. Anyways, thanks for listening today. We'll be back tomorrow on 1450 The Sports Bus. To my old Kentucky home, my old Kentucky home.